looks like we're having technical difficulties, so I will try and call back in in a moment. Thanks, everyone. Hey, John. There we go. I have a disaster. Um, I'll tell you about it later. Let's let's get the music okay. rolling. All right. Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly. One step. Closer with Stacey Harris and John Seltzer. Hi, Stacey. Good morning, John. How are you doing in California? You guys getting some sunshine finally this week? Oh, it's been gorgeous this week. Um, and, um, you know, things are so quiet that our backyard, which is on, on a busier street, um, we had 15 hummingbirds and... 25 blue jays and all sorts of little ground feeders. It was like it was like you needed air traffic control in the backyard last night. Oh my, that sounds like much nicer. Well, you can send some of the sunshine and even some of the hummingbirds this way. We are under flood watches for the next few days here in North Carolina with uh, rain for the past three days. But uh, but the, but I'm assuming the sun will come back out as it usually does. So so uh, the rain is yeah. good for all the tomato plants and green peppers that I planted this week, so. <laughs> Yay! So, so how is confinement for you? Um, you know, I think it's, it, we're starting to open up here in North Carolina, so we are at, like, uh, a phase one of uh, reopening the um, North Carolina um I'd say there's the smaller communities, some of the larger cities like Durham have still um, kept uh, shelter in place um, requirements in place. But what's been really nice is Ray Cooper, who's our governor, has been very steadily sharing the stats and the science behind why and uh, we are opening up certain things and not other things um, and what we are doing you know, from a from a testing and an analysis perspective, and and that's been very good for me personally because it makes me feel a little bit less anxious about everything. Um, uh -huh. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're 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 starting to to sort of figure out what the next step looks like in this um, COVID uh, COVID nineteen crisis here in North Carolina. I, I don't know. Are you guys starting to open things up a little bit in where you're at in the California area yet? Oh, oh, there's a little bit. We're we're going to be allowed to walk in the park <laughs> this <Okay>. weekend, <laughs> you know. So, so, so there's a little bit. There's a little bit, and um, um, you, you know, we've 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 been we've been trying to move all of our spending so that it goes into the local economy, and yeah. more of the local merchants are offering services where you can order and they'll bring it out to your car. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, you know, but, 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 but 
normalcy seems decades away from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think, I, I, you know, I was just having this conversation the other day with with a, with um, uh, one of our friends, Trish McFarland. I was I was uh, doing an update call with her last week, and we were both talking about you know the fact that everybody keeps talking about the new HR, the the, the new normal, and um, like it's just around the corner and that we think that, that there's, there's, there's going to be a lot more time than I think we expect before we even figure out what's going to stabilize, right? That right now we're still in a lot of questions and answers and, and looking for forward to what might be in the next few months. Um, so I, I don't think we can, we can get to a point where we're saying, hey, this is the new normal. I think we're getting to a point where we're just getting to the next level of questions that we might have, right? Yeah, and it would be kind of nice if it stayed that way. You, you know, um, yeah. <clears throat> a, a world a world run on questions, I think, would be much more interesting than a world run on answers. It would definitely fit you very well, John. <laughs> I, I, I think um, it would be an area that that would be a be a true uh, social experiment. Can we run a whole world on questions for a while instead of trying to? always feel like we have the answers, right? Yeah. That, that would definitely be a well, much but, more but, um, interesting conversation, right? All that really means is being willing to let go of, hmm, I'm hearing all sorts of noises. Um, all that really means is being willing to let go of um, the answer that worked yesterday Um in favor of the new and better answer you discovered today. And, you know, we, we were having a conversation before the, before the show about the difference between agile and flexible. And, yep. and while the term agile is getting used to mean something other than its core technical, agile software development methodology is where this stuff starts. And agile software development methodology is a way of focusing very intently on the next step in the process and allowing the completion of the next step in the process to inform your decision about what comes after that. Uh, rather than assuming at the beginning of a project that you know what the answer is going in. Um, and so, so rather than some great world for John um, the, the people in software development are are actively practicing a, a world where questions are as important or more important than answers. Yeah, and and I think you know you know the conversation we got into, and I think it's it's gonna you know when we start talking about you know the things that are happening this week in the market, it, it will probably bleed into that. Is that you know the word agile is definitely a word we're seeing used all over the conversations around how organizations are going to sort of address or or handle the COVID-19 crisis management and then whatever will come after it, right? And and I've had a a bit of a a reaction to that. I've been pushing back a little bit in some of the conversations I've been having because the way the term is being used, and I I think it's really good that you define it and, and sort of where it came from, from that software development conversation, right? But I think a lot of people are using it in today's, you know, vernacular saying agile means that you're able to shift from one thing to another thing 
um, and oftentimes not, you know, really take into account what you might be losing by, by ship making those quick shifts, right? Uh, that you can quickly pivot is another word that I'm hearing used with it all the time, right? And I think there's a, an opportunity for us to really think about the world that we're in and as part of asking those questions, not assume that what we were doing was all wrong either, right? And that there's a mixture of taking forward some of the really positive things that we had in our work environments and in the places that we, you know, um, were dealing with, you know, um, addressing, you know, technical challenges or uh, adoption needs inside of our organizations and then figuring out how we can become more flexible as an organization versus to me that the word agile seems to be used in a way that, that assumes that you're just going to make a complete shift and forget about what came before it, right? This is, this is you know, this is one of those conversations. Remember, remember when I still call these things that, that we're building intelligence tools, but everybody else calls it AI. And, 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 and I decided to do that because um, the stuff that was being sold wasn't AI. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, but, but the market, the market um, became comfortable describing this array of technologies as AI and um, uh, and so we stick with it, right? We stick with it. Um, the the thing about Agile is without all of the underpinnings. So if you just if you just walk around talking about Agile and you don't think about the consequences in technical debt, for instance, yeah. which is a part of every software every software operation that uses Agile technology has an ongoing examination of their technical debt. And technical debt is your commitment to maintain and improve processes that may be no longer relevant. Um, but, but that's part of the calculation in any Agile development methodology, right? And that, that kind of idea, which is, which is what is our obligation to continue processes that we see better answers to, um, um, should be part of the overall Agile conversation, if you want to call it Agile. Otherwise, it's just um, anarchy. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good right? way of looking and, at it. And, and I think we're in that bit, yeah. You know, the reason for, for thinking about terms like agility is to bring um, some of the benefits of an engineering point of view inside of um, a, a, a less data-driven occupation, right? I mean, that's the, that's the overall trend is to increase quantification so that you can make more precise decisions. Um, and um, I guess what you're saying about agility is that the speed of decisions seems to want to be faster but I wonder if that isn't a um, a carryover from the old days, that speed is the critical measure. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, it, it, um, and because it, it, go ahead. 
speed is in this world that we're living in, speed can be as dangerous as it can be good, right? The the fail fast idea, right, I think, which has been a big part of the growth of our economy for the last 10 years, um, feels very um, uncomfortable in the current state, right? Yeah, well, well, so so a lot of that methodology was focused on finding deep efficiencies, and and what we've learned in the last six weeks it may take us a decade to actually digest this, but what we've learned is that efficiency is the enemy of business continuity. <laughs> so, so so when you get so efficient that all of your solutions are completely fragile and can't tolerate an upset. Um, uh, then uh, you failed. You've become efficient to the point that it's eroded all of your effectiveness, and um, um, that's that's the the decisions that we're making. So 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 I'm I'm kind of okay that that there's a rush to embrace agility in in some of HR right now because. Anybody who's proposing that there are answers right now is an idiot. <laughs> you have to make do. You have to get some things done. You have to keep the business operating. But we still don't know what we're dealing with. We don't know how yeah, long it's going to last. We don't, know, we, don't, we don't know what the world is going to look like. So the idea that what you would do is um, use that as the foundation for, for – um, building a rigorous future, that's crazy. That's crazy. We need to see we're we're Christopher Columbus. We're about to get to land. We need to see what's on the land before we start declaring that we know where we're going. Yeah. yeah. No, and I and I think and before we start throwing out all of the things we don't think we're gonna need anymore, right? <laughs> right. Both exactly. true, right? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly well, that's exactly right. Yeah, and that I think you know was the conversation that we were having. But I think it's a conversation that almost every organization that I'm talking to is also having at some level, right? Is is this idea of well, if I have everybody working at home, why would I bring people back to the office, right? I mean, I, I literally have had conversations with some people that are like, why is everybody going back to the office, and others where I can't you know, getting people back to the office is really critical. People are very confused about the right answers in these situations, right? And some of it comes down to risk. Some of it comes down to percentage of calculations of of what's needed versus what's, you know, uh, possible in virtual environments, right? Um, But there is no right or wrong answers right now, right? Well, we don't even know whether or not distributed work works. Right, you still. If you go to Amazon and you try to buy an adequate desktop webcam camera, you can't get one because everybody needs one, and the, and the supply chains in in a mess. Um, um, so, so we haven't even finished outfitting the people who are going to be on this distributed work experiment. So we don't have any idea. We're still looking. We're still talking to people in their pajamas in their bedrooms. Um, <laughs> hey, I resemble that. You know, thank you. <laughs> well, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that 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 
that maybe that isn't maybe the future isn't um, eating at your desk in your pajamas while you, you know, my best joke yeah. of the week is my my grandmother used to, be, to lie in her barca lounger and yell at the TV, and now I get paid to do it. Yeah. <laughs> very, very true. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to 2020, the next generation of yelling at a screen, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, my, my grandmother was a pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think we're going to take this down a rabbit hole here, John. <laughs> okay, so so what's in the mailbag? Wow, we we yeah. uh, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> it's actually been quite a busy week. We are we are heading fast and furious into I think what is the next wave of of things people are talking about, which which falls into what we were just talking about. Um, this week we had um, uh, ISIM do an acquisition of Opening IO, which is a um, uh, a NLP, I think, tool that I'm sure you have more insights on this than I do, but definitely focusing on sort of the, the back end of, of the logic of some of the things that ISIMS is hoping to be able to do. We also saw that Paychex released, now they're calling it the industry's first real-time payment solution. They say this is different from pay-on-demand. This is um, solutions to help um, small business owners manage cash flow so they can do real-time payments. Um, we also saw several investments, large investments going on this week. Um, Neo Case, which many of you might know, they've been around for quite some time as an uh, HR help desk and HR services uh, delivery solution. Uh, they raised $6 million, um, million euros, I should say, um, to foster what it's calling its international growth during the COVID-19 crisis, which we've talked a lot about how service delivery is a big part of the, the growth going on right now. But we also saw... Um, I have not seen this organization previously. This came from a um, – uh, I was uh, looking through some of the things that our, our good friend George Laroque put online, um, and he had mentioned a GoOne. It's an enterprise learning platform that picked up $40 million from Microsoft and Salesforce and a couple other big investors. Um, it looks like they're out of the Australia area. I just thought this was really interesting. It's much more of a content play, I believe. Um, I do remember seeing a, a little bit about them when I was there in Sydney um, latter part of last year, but not having had a chance to actually look at the product or, or look at their tool. But it's basically an LMS with content, uh, $40 million they've got. We've also got a Series A investment investment for WorkVivo um, of $16 million. This is a – they're labeling it a employee communications platform. If you remember, we've talked a little bit about that with a couple of other organizations um, like GuideSpark. Um, looks like we're starting to see more in that space. Um, and Tradeify, which is another one of these um, employee assessment tools for hiring, um, is getting a $12 million Series B funding. Uh, this one's interesting because I guess it uses pictures or visual assessments. That's a different take on some things. And then last but by no means least um, is a Syndio, an organization that has $7.5 million in Series A funding, which two types of things it does, which is it, it assesses pay equity in your organization, but also does uh, organizational network analysis. So two things that seem a little differentiated to me, but they've, they've sort of combined them together into a single organization. Um, so it's a very busy week of investments and, and 
people sort of, I think, rethinking the idea of what's going to be important in the HR space. At the same time, we've also had, I think, some really interesting brand conversations about HR. So if you get a little bit of time to talk at the end of it, we might want to add around things like Amazon having a VP who put out a, I think what I thought was a very, um, a very targeted email after he left Amazon about how Amazon had um, fired some whistleblowers and some people who were trying to unionize the warehouse environment. Um, and, you know, what does that look like in today's modern brand and work environment? Um, along the same lines, we saw Uber um, getting its brand hit a little bit this week because it laid off 3,700 employees um, via a Zoom um, conference call. Um, two examples of the kind of HR slash brand slash employment conversations we're seeing come out of some of the largest and biggest organizations around the market. So busy week, John. I don't know where you want to start with the conversation. Well, there are a couple. There are a couple that I know more about than others. So, so let's let's start with what makes me look good, don't you think? <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> So, so ISIMS, ISIMS um, is for, for for people who don't know, ISIMS is um, the 900-pound gorilla in African tracking systems. Um, but they they are the, the the predominant marker in the industry, and they're they're a they're a very interesting company that has always. Uh, claimed to not want to be a leader, but to be a, a service company, and so this acquisition of um, Opening.io, which is a an Irish uh, NLP-oriented matching company, is kind of a step away from that from that strategy. And lo and behold, there's a new CEO. I, I spent a little bit of time with Steve Lucas. Um, earlier this week talking about this shift in strategy and um, um, they are they are getting serious and doubling down because the, the game changed, right? The game for applicant tracking systems really changed in February of this year and now the, now the question is how do you make sense out of huge volumes of job applications? Um and so you need uh, accelerated technology. No system has ever seen this volume of job applications before. Right? Wow. The, the unemployment rate is right. The, the unemployment rate is, I bet thirty percent. But 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 it's some ridiculous number. There are thirty-five million people who've applied for unemployment benefits in the last six weeks. You know, so it's. It's it's a great. And we know thirty seven hundred more Uber will be doing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and so and so all of those people are going to be looking for work, and all and 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 so if it takes sending your resume to a hundred places, that's 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 a three and a half billion resumes being submitted to American yeah. industry. And, and NLP, right. John, just to remind the, the audience what NLP is, you're talking natural language processing, correct? Yeah, natural, and just the nutshell of natural, natural language processing is 
every sentence or every word or every utterance can be expressed as a math formula. Um, and so, so you turn all of the language into math, and then you can do all sorts of math stuff to it. Um, and, and that means you can find underlying concepts. You can look at stuff and extract skills. You can do all sorts of things. And it is the heart of great matching systems. It's the heart of great matching systems. Well, they're going to need a lot more of that. I mean, we think about the last time we had this many applicants probably in the market, even close to this many, which is which really I think it was not nearly as many. It was in 2008, 2009, uh, before we really hit any kind of machine learning or AI in the online system. Um, now we have almost double probably what we saw in 2008, probably looking for jobs that will be hitting the market. So I think, you know, the idea of being able to handle that just through efficiencies but and not through some sort of AI or some sort of um, tool that's going to be able to read these uh, environments rapidly will be really, really difficult, right? I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and, and and so this is a great move for us. The bottom line, it's a great move for us. What do you think about so, the idea of Paychex releasing um, their new real-time payment solutions? You know, it, we're talking a lot about the amount of people who are going to be hired and you know looking for jobs, but there's also a lot of people trying to hold on to the jobs they have, but are struggling because they're not getting paid on a regular basis or because companies had to put people on furlough be, and wait until they got the PPP um, finances. Do you think that this will change how we think about just getting our paycheck on a regular basis in the market? No. <laughs> no. no. Um, this is, uh, who, who wants to get paid every day? You can't you can't run a household budget if you're getting paid every day. You 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 get paid every day because you're in such difficult financial straits that that you have not you've not got the ability to put any routine into your finances. Um, and so it's it's whatever percentage of the population that is. That might be thirty percent of the population that is is in a in a situation that's worse than living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and so now you give them the ability to live day to day, but it, it seems to me that would increase anxiety levels. Um, and so, so I'm going to guess that people don't embrace this as rapidly as the companies that are selling it. My guess. But... I'm gonna put, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure I completely agree with you on that one. I think... I think um, in a mark, the idea of of the fact that you know you've been laid off, it's been a month or two since you've been working, and now you take a job and you want and that job wants you to wait two more weeks before you get paid because their cycle is on a every two week cycle, right? Or a month because maybe they're on a monthly cycle. I, I can see how some of these tools will become very valuable, and I understand what you're saying about how they could put people into a lot of um, unhealthy situations too financially. But I also know that, you know, the opposite option of these are not good either um, for many of these people. So I think 
I think there's going to be ways that if organizations can figure out how to use them appropriately, they'll be of value. But I get what you're saying. But yeah. Yeah, I'm not so. So these things are are often trotted out as being focused on building healthy financial behavior in employees or being good for the health of employees. And I don't I don't understand how that could possibly be. Um, uh, that that that's just me, but but you know you know I've had a strong reaction to this idea for for a long time in the earliest days, and I, I'm not I don't think Paychex is doing this. So in the earliest days, everybody was figuring that they would make their money by charging a fee, and so they were claiming to be better than payday lenders, but really they were payday lenders who had been moved in-house and authorized by the, um, by the company. Um, and, and, and so, so as people started to figure that out, that started, stopped to be the way the business was being done. And, and now the idea is that they make their money off of the credit card transaction fees because you can only get this as a debit card. Yeah. And that does Which seem is still to be the way fundamental. we're Still, it's fundamentally, still, takes it out of the employee's pocket, or takes it out of the of the what they're being what they're paying to have a credit card, or what they're paying to have that that accessibility, right? Depending on on what their tools are that they're using. Yes, yeah, because most people who are living in a paycheck to paycheck environment have a much harder time getting um, access to credit, right, as well, or places where they can get that credit uh, adopted. So, yeah. It's it's a difficult conversation I think to have, and it's even more difficult in these kind of times. Um, but I think but the vendors are definitely um, adding to what they think that should be more options in this space. Well, we're uh, just about a minute out, John. Is there anything else you think we should be, be discussing this morning as we, as we before we wrap up today? Um, no. How about you? Well, the only thing I, I, you know, I think this conversation about how you address your workers during this time, um, and and how you think about talent can be, you know, epitomized by the story about the Amazon VP Tim Bray and his um, blog about what was going on inside of Amazon, as well as the what I would have to assume would be somewhat horrific articles going on about Uber doing layoffs over Zoom. That you know. Outside uh, of all the other things going on with Uber, that was the headline this morning that I woke up to. So I think brand might be a conversation that every organization is going to have to um, take a second thought about before they make some of these employment decisions. The question is, will consumers and buyers um, basically pay their respects about what they feel about how organizations are doing and how they consume the goods and stuff. So it's, it's a conversation that I think many HR professionals probably are, are struggling with right now. Well, this is, you know, just to, just to bring this back around to the beginning, um, the, the idea that, that agile approaches to HR are fundamentally about efficiency and, and about being able to change what you're doing as fast as you can. Um, I, I'm not sure that's a good idea. I'm not sure that's a good idea. Besides be, not being what Agile means, it's also not fundamentally an interesting idea because efficiency means you can't do a certain range of things. Why do you suppose Uber fi fired 2,500 people over the phone or 
however they did it, whatever digital way yeah, they did it. Yeah, do, yeah. Be- because there are no human managers involved in that process. Yeah. Right? That's the 2500 is the span of control of the manager who, who made the layoff announcement. And and it would take 10 years to go have individual conversations with those 2500 yeah. people. Right? That's what that's what being unconcerned about the consequences of efficiency gets you is right and so so my guess would be that that while it's bad for the brand uber didn't have any choice because that's how they're built exactly yeah right right? because 2500 hours in a week that's 75 people doing those conversations without interruption that's crazy you can't do that You, you, you can't do that that way if there are no intermediate managers there, um, and, and I'm sure that's the case. So, so it may be that that if you want your Amazon stuff to be delivered to your house and you don't want to pay more for it, that the working conditions that the workers have to operate under is actually being decided by consumers. Um, yep. Right? Are you willing to pay twenty percent more? Exactly. No, I think that's the conversation, right? And and how much right. will the brand have an impact or not, right? And and to your point, how much will any of this, you know, sort of pay dividends or not pay dividends in the next year when things start to go, you know, in a more positive direction? Will people who have been laid off by Zoom meetings be willing to ever come back to a company? Will we start to see if someone else gives um, uh, different options to Amazon? Other people maybe start to think a little bit about the the different ways that they can get, you know, their products if there's a, a an option that's a little bit more employee-friendly. It's a risk every company takes, right? Yeah, well, we should we should keep going down this little rabbit hole because here's the, here's the question. Um, if if 25% of the population is unemployed, how long do you think it takes to get them back to work? That's Five a years? Very big question, yeah. Right? And so so this is what what's really hard to get about this is it was a talent-centric market up to the 15th of February. There was low, low, low unemployment, and people had the upper hand, and they could come and go from their jobs as they saw fit. Um, When there's 25% unemployment, you don't come and go from your job as you see fit. (laughs) You don't. You don't. Um, um, You very carefully make sure that there's somewhere else for you to go. And, And with the... Um, large flocks of people applying for jobs, you have to figure out how to stand out in those places that you might want to go. And so so um, I think people will tolerate all sorts of crap in order to keep the families fed. Well, um, it'll, it, I, I, I'm, I'm making a bet. We'll see if this comes true. I agree that that might be the case and I shouldn't say might. I agree that that's the case when you're really looking at 
you know, unemployment the way we've been talking about it. But I also think we have a, a generation of workers who were developed and grown on the idea of their own value to the industry and their own value to the market, right? This idea of talent management um, has been so popular in the last five years, ten years. I'm wondering if that will play a role in how this plays out in the next five years, and maybe it might be a little bit different. That's my take, but we'll see if it happens, though. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's a great conversation to keep open, and, and if we get to any answers, I will... <laughs> I'll be I'll be terribly disappointed if we actually get to do any answers. There we go. <laughs> well, John, this has been fun as usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nice. To, it's nice to hear you laugh. Well, we should, can we tell people about your new gig yet? Uh, no, we would. Well, <laughs> people should be aware that in the next few weeks there will be an announcement. Nothing, um, nothing uh, that will impact any of the research that I normally do with Sierra Cedar, but yes, in, in, a, in a week or so, there will be some announcements about some new exciting things that I'm doing as well. So. <laughs> yes, you've been, you've been rightfully promoted to queen of the universe. <laughs> and I wish. No. <laughs> no, it'll all be all right. stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Thanks for doing this, Stacey, and thanks for listening in, everybody. We'll see you back here next week, same time. Bye-bye now. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye.